Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. An exotic meal leaves a carpenter fighting for his life. The thought of a parasite crawling through my body, eating its way through, was a little disconcerting. The trip of a lifetime ends with an athletic adventurer fighting off a hidden killer. I was petrified. I didn't want something in my body that I had no control over and then wondering, where is it? And a soldier returns home to find his body has been invaded by a hideous monster. I reached between my legs, I pulled on something and it came out. Three cunning parasites, all with one brilliant strategy. They hitch a ride inside their hosts, feeding, thriving, undetected. They are hungry. They are hiding. They are the stowaways. Worms invisible to the human eye. Insects thirsty for blood. Microscopic amoeba. They might look harmless, but these are some of nature's deadliest creatures. They can hijack our bodies, disable our immune systems. They are parasites. But to those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Parasites live in or off other living organisms called hosts. And many of the most successful parasites find ways to bypass the immune system so that the host doesn't even know they're there. For some parasites, hiding away inside a host is a brilliant strategy. They can get all the nourishment they need without being detected by the body's immune system. It's only when these stowaways come out of hiding that the body recognizes them. And that can mean serious trouble for the host. As one contractor in California is about to find out. 2007. 53-year-old Kurt Pearson is enjoying his job working as a carpenter in Santa Barbara, California. 
I've been a carpenter for many, many years. I specialize in door and window installation and replacement. I enjoy working with my hands, and uh, I really love what I do. Apart from the occasional bout of asthma, Kurt is in good health and spends his free time indulging in his favorite passion, food. I think variety is the spice of life, whether it be Indian dishes or Japanese food or Italian. It's always a little bit of an adventure. But Kurt's appetite for adventure is about to come to an abrupt end. One Sunday in January, Kurt's doing some yard work at home. I had gone down to clean up some of the debris and dirt and soil from the gutters along the sidewalk. As Kurt heads back to his truck, he's hit with a strange sensation. I found that I could not get a breath of air, maybe just a mouthful at a time. I would have to put my hands on my knees to catch my breath, and it took two or three minutes to actually get up enough energy to get up the driveway. Shocked by this sudden shortness of breath, Kurt decides to call for help. I had to call my girlfriend from the driveway to ask her to come out of the house and help me bring the tools back up because I was so fatigued that I found myself incapable of even bringing the tools back up to the top of the yard. Kurt decides to call it a day and heads back inside to get some rest. I've thought in the back of my mind, that's rather unusual to not be able to bring my own tools back up a driveway. I wrote that incident off as being overworked from the week before, but never did it cross my mind that I had something more serious going on at that time. Kurt doesn't think anything more of it until a few weeks later. He's watching TV when he experiences a new and terrifying sensation. All of a sudden, I tried to take a breath in, and I could not breathe at all. It literally felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest and someone had put a pillow over my face. The loss of breath was so immediate, it sent me into an absolute panic. Kurt rushes to the nearest clinic. I felt sheer panic, wondering what could possibly be wrong with me not being able to take a breath in. The doctor examines him and says he's suffering from an acute asthma attack and prescribes an inhaler. For Kurt, this is nothing new. I would always be prescribed uh, inhalers to open the airways and help relieve some of the breathing pressure uh, and the constriction that I was experiencing during these episodes. A few months later, Kurt is in Palm Desert, California, visiting his parents for Christmas. But when he goes to bring in some presents from his truck... He has another frightening episode. I had to stop every 20 feet or so to catch my breath. I found it almost impossible to get back and forth from my truck, bringing some of my uh, presence back in. Once inside, it only takes a few seconds for his mom, Pauline, to notice something is wrong. Kurt was using um an inhaler an awful lot of the time, he could hardly breathe. I just thought, well, maybe perhaps it's, uh, you know, bronchitis or a slight case of pneumonia or something. Mothers understand intuitively, I believe, when a child is sick, 
and she insisted I see a doctor when I got back home. That evening, Kurt drives to the urgent care clinic. The doctor on duty asks him about his symptoms and does a quick examination. I've explained some of the episodes and conditions that I've been feeling over a period of almost a year. The doctor thumps my chest, listens, and at that point decides that he should take an x-ray of my lungs. A few minutes later, Kurt gets the shock of his life. The doctor comes back rather graven-faced and suggests that my lung is completely occluded, which means it is completely full of fluid. Fluid in the lungs can indicate a number of dangerous conditions, such as tuberculosis, pneumonia, or congestive heart failure. He said, whatever is going on with you has been going on for some time, and whatever it is, it needs to be taken care of immediately. Kurt is put under the care of Dr. Robert Wright, a pulmonologist and critical care specialist in Santa Barbara. When he sees Kurt's chart, Dr. Wright knows that he needs to act fast. The total amount of fluid in a person's chest generally is around 7 to 10 milliliters. I could tell from his x-rays that he had liters of fluid in his chest. If Kurt's lungs completely fill with fluid, they could collapse and Kurt could die. Dr. Wright immediately orders an ultrasound of Kurt's lungs. Then he performs a thoracentesis to drain the excess fluid from his chest. But when Dr. Wright begins the procedure, he's shocked. Usually the fluid is a mild yellow color. But right away, Kurtz looks different. I know that he has something unusual from the get-go because the fluid was like chocolate milk. I knew that there was gonna be a limited number of things that would cause fluid like that. But that's not all. It's pretty tough to see that much fluid come out of you and not wonder what on earth has caused that sort of fluid buildup in your lungs. For Dr. Wright, the large amount of discolored fluid means only one thing. I'm thinking, my gosh, she's probably got cancer. Doctors have drained several liters of thick brown fluid from Kurt Pearson's lungs. Pulmonologist Dr. Robert Wright tells Kurt that he thinks the cause is cancer. That not only worried, but terrified me. I really, truly worried about what was going on with me. Uh, as soon as I found out, I did call my mother and father. They worried incessantly. Kurt had told us that the doctor told him that it could be cancer, and we thought, oh dear, I, this one of the worst things that can happen. I was concerned for my parents, and I did think that would be a horrible thing to witness the death of their child. I hoped that I did not pass on before them. But before Dr. Wright can be 100% certain that Kurt does have cancer, he must send a sample of the lung fluid for testing. He contacts his colleague, Dr. David Fisk, to consult on the case. When Dr. Fisk takes a look at Kurt's lung fluid under a microscope, what he sees is astounding. The initial thing that struck me was this slide and this patient's chest cavity are full of eggs. I don't think I'd ever seen eggs in somebody's lung fluid before. 
When we look at the slide and see eggs, we know that cancer is off the table on the other side of the coin. Eggs tell me that there's a live, active parasite inside the chest, which implied an unusual and very severe disease that this patient was suffering from. Based on the size and shape of the eggs, Dr. Fisk thinks he knows what's going on. We concluded that these eggs represented an infection from a parasite called Paragonimus westermani. He calls Kurt with the news. Dr. Fisk came right out and said, we believe you've ingested a parasite. The thought of a parasite crawling through my body, eating its way through, was a little disconcerting. Paragonimus westermani, also known as Japanese lung fluke, is a parasitic worm that can cause a deadly infection. Once inside the host's lungs, it burrows into the lung tissue and begins laying eggs. The presence of the parasite triggers an immune response that causes severe coughing. If the fluke is inside a lung, the body's immune system will move into attack, causing a buildup of fluid which ultimately can collapse the lung and kill the host. With a diagnosis in hand, the doctors immediately prescribe Kurt a powerful antacidic drug called prosequantil. Then they turn their attention to a pressing question. How could Kurt have contracted the parasite? The doctors look to the parasite's life cycle for a clue. The lung fluke begins its life cycle as a free-living egg in the water. There, the parasite invades a snail. The eggs hatch in the snail's gut, mature, and migrate back into the water. Then, the parasite takes a new host, a freshwater crab. If a human eats a raw crab contaminated with the parasite, then they can become infected. It's the ability to hijack the food chain while remaining totally undetected that makes the lung fluke the ultimate stowaway. It is estimated that 80% of freshwater crabs in Asia carry the Japanese lung fluke. But lung flukes are not endemic in the United States. I told him that this certain type of infection, this certain type of parasite, is something that you probably only see in Asia. Dr. Fisk asks Kurt whether he has been to Asia, but he hasn't. So could this deadly parasite be on the loose in the United States? Infectious disease specialist Dr. David Fisk has just found the deadly parasite, the Japanese lung fluke, living inside Kurt Pearson's lungs. Dr. Fisk came right out and said, we believe you've ingested a parasite. Dr. Fisk is now left with a pressing question. The parasite is usually only found in Asia. But Kurt has never been to Asia, so how did he get it? Since the parasite usually hides inside raw shellfish, Dr. Fisk turns his attention to what Kurt's been eating. We needed to spend time reviewing what he'd done and what he'd eaten over the last few years. Kurt recalls a visit to a fancy sushi restaurant several months earlier. It was there that something caught his eye. On top of the sushi bar was a bowl of crabs. 
The chef recognized Kurt as a regular patron and asked if he wanted to try some of the live crabs on display. He knew that I liked to eat um, some of the more challenging Japanese dishes that they had to offer and said that he would make a special red dipping sauce for the crabs, which were alive. Always ready for something new, Kurt agreed to eat the crabs raw. I thought it would, was best to crunch them quickly. I ate them very fast. It was, it was not the type of food that you really savor. It was chew it, swallow it, be done with it. I'm thinking that that's the missing piece. This puzzle in my mind is now complete. The crabs that Kurt ate were imported from Asia and probably contained the parasite. This is how doctors think he got infected. Kurt continues to take the antiparasitic medication. And finally, after weeks of treatment, Kurt is parasite-free. Today, Kurt's life has returned to normal, except for one thing. If I ever see live crab, you can bet your bippy I'm never going to order it again. Cooked crab, I have no problem with. Raw crab never will find its way into my system again. It's estimated that 22 million people worldwide are infected with Paragonimus westermani, though cases in the United States are extremely rare. In order to prevent infection, all shellfish should be thoroughly cooked to 145 degrees Fahrenheit to kill any parasites lurking inside. The lung fluke has a simple strategy. It stows away inside an intermediate host like a crab and waits to be eaten by its ultimate target, a human. Paragonimus westermani isn't the only deadly parasite to stow away in an intermediate host. As one adventure-seeking woman is about to discover. July 1996. Megalia, California. Breed Power works for a bicycle parts manufacturer and in her free time loves interacting with nature. I just love living in Northern California. You just have such easy access to the outdoors. I love being physically active. All my concerns or worries just dissipate. And it's kind of a rush, really, uh, being out there. One day in September, Breed is out riding through the forest near her home. I ride about 40 to 50 miles in the surrounding areas. Toward the end of the bike ride, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. And that was unusual. I normally wear bike shorts, and I, you know, I always know there's a certain amount of discomfort on a bike, but you just get used to it. This was just something that I never felt before. Breed assumes she's developed a heat rash around her groin. She cuts her bike ride short and heads home. I'm not at all worried about it. I was thinking riding the bike was aggravating it, so I thought I probably should cut back on this so that it will heal. But a few days later, when Breed is getting ready for work, she notices that the rash is still there and that it doesn't look like a typical heat rash. Maybe I'm allergic to something like lotion or detergent, and that's what's prompted this rash. I was just trying to figure out what was wrong with me, really.
At the end of the week, Breed goes to the local clinic to get the rash checked out. Right away, the doctor offers a simple explanation. They just looked at it and decided that it was poison oak. Poison oak is a plant that's leaves can cause a severe allergic reaction. The most common symptoms are itching, a red rash, and oozing blisters. It's a bit of a drag if it's poison oak, but it's not the end of the world. I wasn't worried. I was probably relieved. The clinic's doctors are also unconcerned and offer a quick solution. They told me to get anti-itch medication and I could just buy it over the counter. So I went and I bought that. For the next few days, Breed applies the medication, but to no avail. This just doesn't seem to be responding at all to the treatment. It was unusual. Two weeks after she is diagnosed with poison oak, Breed is home when she notices that the rash has spread across her upper thigh. I've never had any kind of a skin problem ever. I now knew there was something wrong and it was not part of the norm for me. What Breed doesn't know is that she has already entered the dark world of parasitic infection. And now, inside the monster. What percentage of Asian freshwater crabs are infected with the Paragonimus parasite? A, 5%. B, 30%. C, 50%. D, 80%. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What percentage of freshwater crabs in Asia are infected with the paragonimus parasite? The answer is D, 80%. Bike rider Breed Power has been suffering from an angry red rash on her groin and upper thigh, and the rash is beginning to spread. She has tried using over-the-counter drugs, but nothing is helping. I've never had any kind of a skin problem ever. I now knew there was something wrong, and it was not part of the norm for me. Breed shows the rash to her roommate, Lee McCleary, a trained nurse practitioner who is instantly suspicious. She said it was itching and, and irritating. It just had a peculiar shape to it. It was fiery and itchy, and poison oak is usually more moist and blistery. The rash was absolutely unlike anything I'd ever seen. Alarmed, Lee suggests Breed consult a dermatologist. A few days later, Breed visits Dr. Linda Davis-Reed in Chico, California. Right away, Dr. Davis-Reed dismisses the poison oak diagnosis. Everybody knows what poison oak looks like, or at least they think they do. Something was just not quite right about it. We needed to get a piece of the skin to look at under the microscope to see what was going on. Dr. Davis-Reed removes a sample of the rash to be sent for a biopsy. I thought I would go and she would write me a prescription and I'd be on my merry way. This is more involved than I was expecting. But when the results come back, Breed is in for a shock. I got this report and I saw that this was something that I had never dealt with. This is an extraordinary biopsy. And they said that it showed a, a worm with a cuticle around it. Breed has been infected with a mysterious parasitic worm. I was petrified. I didn't want something in my body that I had no control over and then wondering, where is it? To find out what kind of worm it is, Dr. Davis-Reed needs to conduct another test, this time on Breed's urine. They asked me to do a 24-hour urine collection. I would have done whatever they told me at that stage. A few days later, the results are back. The report that we got back showed that it was schistosomiasis. Schistosomiasis is a life-threatening disease that's caused by the parasitic worm Schistosoma hematobium. The Schistosoma hematobium parasite infests the blood vessels around the host's bladder. There, it reproduces rapidly, laying millions of microscopic eggs, which are excreted in the urine. In rare cases, when the eggs pass out of the body, they come into contact with the skin. If this happens, they can become lodged in the skin, creating a fiery red rash. But schistosoma hematobium can be much more dangerous than just a rash. As the schistosomes lay eggs inside the bladder, the immune response grows, 
creating inflammation and damaging the surrounding tissue. Eventually, this can result in a massive buildup of dead tissue. And that buildup is correlated with the onset of cancer. And that can cause a big problem for the host. Dr. Davis Reed breaks the news to Breed. It's a distressing thing to hear that you have something growing inside you that shouldn't be there. I was kind of scared about it, and I had never encountered anything like it before. The parasite that is living inside Breed Power could trigger the most feared disease of all, cancer. Doctors have just told Breed Power that the parasite Schistosoma hematobium has invaded her bladder. But what's worse is that the parasite might have given her cancer. I was worried that you could develop cancers that had been in your body for a long time. Breed's doctor prescribes the powerful anti-worm medication Prosequantil and sends Breed for a scan. If cancer is present in Breed's bladder, this test will find it. The results won't come back for several days. While they are waiting, Breed's doctors try to figure out how she became infected. Schistosomes begin life as eggs in fresh water. The larvae swim about in search of the parasite's intermediate host, a snail. They invade the snail's soft, fleshy tissue, where they mature and multiply. When the snail dies, the schistosomes return to the water before burrowing through the skin of their primary host, a human. The World Health Organization estimates that 200 million people worldwide have schistosomiasis, and the overwhelming majority of those people live in Africa. Dr. Davis Reed asks Breed where she has traveled in the past few years. I had traveled to Africa in Zimbabwe and Mozambique and Malawi like three years earlier. And there's one particular part of Breed's trip that catches the doctor's attention. When I was traveling in Africa, I spent a few days at Lake Malawi, and I was swimming. Lake Malawi is known to be a prime breeding ground for Schistosoma hematobium. It's here that Breed was probably exposed to the parasite. Once I found out that she'd been in Africa, then I thought that that's how she acquired it, just getting her feet in the water. The Schistosoma hematobium parasite stowed away in her body, and only three years later did it make its presence felt. Inside of a human host, Schistosoma hematobium will live an average of five to eight years. And over the course of her lifetime, a female will produce tens of thousands of eggs. That strategy makes this parasite the perfect stowaway. A few days later, the results of Breed's cystoscopy are back. It's good news. She's cancer-free. And the medication seems to be working, too. The itchy red rash on her groin and thigh has begun to fade. Once I was treated for the schistosomiasis, the rash resolved itself in, you know, a short period of time. Six months after being diagnosed, Breed goes for another test, which confirms that the parasites are gone from her system. I'm really good. I'm very healthy. I don't have any, any medical concerns, um, and I feel really grateful for that. 
schistosomiasis is virtually unheard of in the United States. But travelers to regions where schistosomiasis is common, such as Africa and parts of Asia, should avoid swimming in freshwater rivers, streams, or lakes. For breed power, this microscopic monster wreaked havoc by targeting her bladder. Schistosomes that are specialized to attack one specific place in the body, destroying it and the host in the process. But other deadly parasites are not specialized at all. And when they come out of hiding, the results can be horrifying, as one army veteran is about to find out. 2004, Teaneck, New Jersey. Newly retired army specialist Hartwell Cornelius is settling into civilian life as a school guidance counselor. I enjoy my job. I enjoy working with the youth. Prepare them for high school, deal with the emotional problems. That's basically what I try to do. When he's not working, Hartwell spends most of his time staying fit with his wife of 30 years, Pat. We both jog, we do power walks. We stay pretty active. We, we're basically always together. Little does Hartwell know, he's about to go to war with a parasitic invader. One evening in October, Pat and Hartwell are sitting down to a home-cooked meal. My wife is an excellent cook. I was looking forward to all the foods that I had missed while I was away. I try to fix meals that Hartwell loves to eat. Black-eyed peas, rice, collard greens, you know, the works. Hartwell finishes dinner. But 20 minutes later, he notices that he doesn't feel full. I was um, hungry again. I went back in the kitchen, and um, I just ate. Normally, you wouldn't be hungry after eating that kind of meal. It's a heavy meal. I never used to eat like that. But, you know, I didn't pay attention to it. I thought I was just hungry. But over the next few days, Hartwell's appetite becomes insatiable. I ate in the morning, lunch, snack between lunch and dinner. He's always looking for something to eat. After dinner, I would grab something else and probably grab something else after that. Cookies, an apple or an orange. This could go on all night long until he actually went to sleep. I was hungry all the time. Then one morning when he's getting ready for work, Hartwell makes an unexpected discovery. I put on my favorite pants and um, I noticed that my belt was a little um, loose. I went to the next loop. In spite of his constant eating, Hartwell is actually losing weight. And when he asks Pat to take a look, she's perplexed. I noticed body fat diminishing and it just didn't look right. I said to him, you're always eating. I, I couldn't figure it out at that time. But Hartwell isn't worried. I was glad to see that the weight was going down. I thought for sure that it was probably was exercise. You know, normal weight loss. A few weeks later, Hartwell and Pat are finishing up dinner when Hartwell is hit with an uneasy feeling in his stomach. I felt a pinching on, on my left side of my um, stomach. It was very uncomfortable. The sensation lasted maybe two or three seconds, and then it would come back. It felt as if I had needles, some needles were pinching me. 
I've had stomach aches, but a stomach ache is much different than what I was feeling. Hartwell is concerned that his diet is to blame. Even though I was eating a lot, sometimes you eat a lot and not eat right. I didn't feel I was myself. Concerned that his indulgent eating habits are making him sick, Hartwell decides to start a body cleanse. Body cleansing is an alternate form of dieting designed to rid the body of harmful toxins. You cleanse for about three months. While you're cleansing, you cannot eat certain foods. You cannot eat um, meat, no milk products. You have to stay with your fruits, vegetables, nuts. It acts as a broom that pushes out all the impurities out of your system. When you're on the colon cleansing, your bowels move frequently. So if there's anything in there, it's going to come out. Hartwell is about to rid his body of more than just toxins. One month into the cleanse, he is sound asleep. By an excruciating pain in his stomach. I'm feeling gassy. I'm used to feeling gassy, but this gas was rumbling just a little more. Very weird because it was something I never felt before. I thought at that one point I had sold myself. But when he's halfway to the bathroom, he has a very disturbing sensation. I feel something um, slapping against my thigh. And I stopped, I reached underneath and felt something hanging. It was something I never felt before. As I'm pulling on it, I push my pajamas down further. I reach between my leg, I pulled on something, and it came out. It was moving. I cut on the lights, and I have this worm in my hand. I felt very uncomfortable, knowing that there was a worm that long inside of me. I yelled to Pat, come here, hurry up, come here. When Pat gets to the doorway, she can't believe what she is seeing. He was holding it in his hand, and it was moving. It wasn't pleasant to look at. Not in my wildest dreams would I have thought that this was the problem. The first thing that comes to my mind is, how many more do I have in me? Retired Army veteran Hartwell Cornelius has just pulled a nine-inch long live worm out of his rectum. He and his wife, Pat, are horrified. I felt very uncomfortable knowing that there was a worm that long inside of me. The first thing that comes to my mind is, how many more do I have in me? I did say that if you have this one, there has to be more. Hartwell rushes to the hospital with the live worm in hand. The worm is sent straight to the lab, while Hartwell is examined by infectious disease specialist, Dr. Daniel Kaplivsky. I meet Hartwell for the first time, and he tells me uh, the story of how he had passed this worm in his stool. The fact that he's passed one worm may mean that he has hundreds more inside his GI tract. Anxious to identify the worm, Dr. Kaplivsky heads to the lab. When someone passes a worm in the stool, 
Uh, one of the considerations might be tapeworms. Tapeworms are generally flat, segmented worms uh, that can reach several feet in length. But Hartwell's worm is not segmented, nor is it flat. For the doctors, this can mean only one thing. Dr. Kaplivsky calls Hartwell back into his office. I tell him, I think I know what you have. He has a parasite called Ascaris lumbricoides. Ascaris lumbricoides is a parasitic roundworm that infects the human intestine. Ascaris is the largest roundworm a human can get. They can grow up to 16 inches long. Inside the small intestine, the Ascaris parasite gorges itself on predigested food, stealing nutrients from its host. The worms reach maturity, breed, and continue feeding inside the host's intestines. But the Ascaris worm is not a benign invader. It can cause fatal complications. If multiple Ascaris worms migrate to the wrong part of the body, like the colon, they can cause a blockage that turns deadly for the host. So the question remains, has this voracious monster taken over Hartwell's entire digestive system? Most patients who have Ascariasis have many, many worms. I explained that because he's passed a single worm of Ascaris, he could have other worms still present in his GI tract. If there are other worms inside Hartwell's large intestine, they could cause a backup of waste and Hartwell could die. Dr. Koplivsky floods Hartwell's system with antiparasitic drugs. I was very disturbed at the fact that I did have more worms in my stomach. While the treatment takes effect, Hartwell and his doctors turn their attention to where Hartwell might have contracted the hungry parasite. Ascaris lumbricoides parasites begin as free-living eggs in the soil. If the eggs are ingested by a human host, they travel to the intestines, where they feed, mate, and lay eggs. When the parasitic eggs are passed out in the host's feces, the life cycle is complete. It is estimated that this parasite infects over a quarter of the world's population right now. In some parts of Africa, almost 95% of people are infected. In the US, Ascaris infection is rare. But one of the ways the parasite can enter the country is as a stowaway inside a living host. Ascaris infection is present here in the United States, but at very low levels and low numbers. It's much more common in folks who have traveled from other countries. Dr. Koplivsky asks Hartwell about his travel history. We learned that Hartwell has been serving in Iraq and Afghanistan and has had a lot of close contact with the local populace. While on duty in Iraq and Afghanistan, Hartwell often shared food with local civilians. There would be a long carpet full of food and we all sat around on the ground and we can eat their food with them. You would have to eat the food. If you didn't eat the food, it would, they would always become suspicious of you. It was a form of being courteous and respectful to their, to their culture. I asked Hartwell specifically the kind of foods he was eating. Uh, he tells me he's been eating uh, fruits, uncooked vegetables, all the kinds of foods that might put him at risk for different parasitic infections. It's likely that while on active service, Hartwell ingested food that was contaminated with microscopic Ascaris eggs. Hartwell returns home and continues to take the antiparasitic medication. 
A few days later, he returns to Dr. Kaplivsky's office, where his stool sample is tested for parasites. And the news is good. In the stool sample, we're not able to find any more of the eggs of Ascaris or other worms. We're hopeful that as he takes these medicines, he'll feel much better. I was very relieved that he told me that I didn't have any more worms in me. The medication had removed all what was probably there. So, you know, I pretty much got a clean bill of health from that point on. Today, Hartwell is parasite-free and back to his old self. Considering that you have so many guys who go to Iraq and they come back um, with so many injuries that, you know, they're trying to recover from. For me to just come back with a bug, I can handle the bug um, and deal with it as it is now. It's all in the past and I can and I'll move on from there. Ascaris worms are more common in areas where sanitation is poor. In these regions, travelers should avoid eating uncooked fruits and vegetables or foods washed in unpurified water. Avoiding detection and staying clear of the host's immune system are the keys to success for some parasites. It's only when they come out of hiding that the real trouble begins. And when that happens, there's no telling what damage these stowaways can do. For more disgusting parasites and tips on how to avoid them, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme. But Kurt decides to wait it out and see if whatever it is finally runs its course. Then, on New Year's Eve, he goes to his client's house for a quick repair. It's late afternoon. I'm installing a lock set on the front door of a customer. He's sitting in the living room reading the paper, and he stops and he says, Excuse me, Kurt. Forgive me for saying this, but I can hear you breathing from across the room. Are you sure you're okay? You're putting a screw in a lock set and you were breathing like you just run a a marathon. He says, that's not normal. And he says, you should think about seeing a doctor. I just thought, well, okay, that's the last straw. Somebody else has made a comment besides my mother. I'm just gonna go and see the doctor. You probe with a small needle down deep into the chest wall. And once you get a little bit of fluid, then I take a larger needle and penetrate the chest wall. And then you insert a little catheter right through the needle into the uh, uh, chest compartment. And then you drain the fluid by vacuum suctioning. The first way that Prasiquanta works is by paralyzing the worm. It actually causes the worm to have muscle spasms to the degree where it can no longer attach to a person's body. The second way that Praziquanto works is that it's felt to cause uh, small holes in the wall of the parasite so that the structure of the parasite becomes disturbed. And when that structure becomes disturbed, it triggers the body's immune system to come and kill the parasite. They also warn Kurt to expect side effects. The majority of the side effects occur when the host's immune system reacts to the dying and disintegrating worms. The more parasites there are, the more severe the side effects. When someone takes praziquantel, they can get headaches, they can get fevers, they can get rashes. The most common thing, though, is that they will get abdominal discomfort or abdominal uh, pain and cramping. If you can imagine the worst seasickness you've ever felt, 
and the worst hangover times a factor of about three or four. That is how that medication felt. Tunnel vision, um, sweats, nausea, but it was many, many times worse than the worst illness I've ever experienced, let alone the, the symptoms that I had experienced of, with the crabs. It was just, it was a nightmare. Dr. Wright shows Kurt a series of pictures and asks Kurt to identify the exact crab that he ate. As soon as I saw the image, I said, absolutely, that's, that's the crab I ate at the sushi bar. There's no mistake in that. I will never forget the image of those crabs. I probably was using, I used, um, I kept one of those like non-hypoallergic oatmeal-based soap things. I've always used mild items. Breed immediately switches her laundry detergent, but it does no good. It was still there. It hasn't gone away. You get this giant, big plastic container that, you know, would be like a heavy-duty milk carton. Um, And I think I had a couple of them. And you collect your urine. The next day, Breed turns in the samples and is left wondering her fate. When she returns home, her roommate Lee can sense Breed's concern. Breed's a, a, a stoical person and upbeat, but um, she was definitely anxious and nervous, and I, I know that she wasn't sleeping well. Not quite her old cheerful self during that time. It looked like a normal worm. When I looked at it, it was scratched out, and it was fat and very slimy. I was looking for a container or something to put the worm in. She went and got a jar, put it in the jar, and we tightened it up. It was moving. It was moving, trying to reach up. Um, we started looking at it through the glass jar, and um, it was moving around, and as I was watching it, it was trying to lift his head or his tail up. I do feel shocked. I felt the shock of initial. That was initial shock. I told the doctor exactly what happened. He um, told me he would examine it. He looked at it, and he said someone would be in contact with me soon. 